This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good afternoon everyone. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Everybody wanted to hear about this topic. This is the hot issue of the day. In, on June 25th, 2006, the IDF soldier Gilad Shalit was captured at Kerem Shalom Crossing. He's held for five years until 2011. And then he was exchanged for 1,027 prisoners. Among those 1,027 prisoners were operatives, was an operative who was serving 29 life sentences. He was involved in the 2002 suicide bombing in the Tanya Park Hotel. He was involved in the 2003 bombing of Cafe Hillel. Released on that time were two terrorists who abducted soldier Nachshon Waxman. But they traded 1,027 terrorists for Gilad Shalit. And another one of the terrorists who was released was Sinwar. He had joined Hamas in 1987. He was captured in 1989. At the time that these 1,027 terrorists were released, they had already been responsible for the deaths of over 500 Jews. And now, it's more than 2,500 Jews. So in retrospect, you could look back and how painful it is to have to make such an exchange. Because you're, changing, you're exchanging the life of one Jew for literally thousands. And that's the question of the day. Should we try to redeem hostages in exchange for terrorists? What do you think these terrorists are going to do when they're released? You think they in jail did the tshuva of the rekeach? You think they were doing tshuva samishkal? You think they were repentant? I mean, once they're released, they have nothing to lose. What do you think they're going to do? That's the moral dilemma. Uh, that's involved in exchanging hostages. And of course, whatever we're going to learn today is all academic, it's all theoretical, because none of us are privy to any inside information. Uh, one thing's for sure, none of us really know what's going on behind the scenes in Israel, what they know, what they don't know. But from a halachic perspective, let's try to get some insight into what is a halachic viewpoint on going above and beyond to rescue a Jew that has been captured. The subject we're going to speak about today is Pidyon Shvuyen, the halacha, redeeming captives in Jewish halacha. The Rambam tells us in Hilchais Matnasaniyim, number one on your sheets, Pidyon Shvuyem Koydem Lefarnasasaniyim. Redeeming captives takes precedence over supporting the poor, covering them. There is no greater mitzvah than redeeming captives. There is no greater mitzvah in the Torah than redeeming captives. Shehashavu is someone who is captive. Harehu b'chlal hara'evim, v'hatzmeim, v'ha'arumim. Someone who is captive, is hungry, is thirsty, is unclothed. His life is in danger. 
someone who hides their eye from redeeming a captive. You violate, don't harden your heart. Don't close your hand. You're violating. Don't stand by idly when your friend's blood is on the line. You are being mavatel the mitzvah of tzedakah and the mitzvah of v'chayochicha imach, and you're being mavatel the mitzvah of yahavta l'recha kamoicha. Ve'ein lecha mitzvah rabba kapidyon shvuyim. There's no greater mitzvah than redeeming captives. The question is, how much do you have to pay? Is there a price which is too heavy? So the Mishnah says in Masech Degitin, Ein poidin es hashvuyin, number two on your sheets, Gitin memhei, yesal kadei demeim. You do not pay more than their value. Whatever value a person would command on the slave market, $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, you're not allowed to pay more. It's prohibited. You're doing an Avera. Not that you're not allowed, not just you're not supposed to. It's sinful. You're a sinner. You're wicked. You're wicked if you do it. Not you're not required to, or you don't have to. You're considered a murderer if you do it. You're not to do it. You can't do it. We'll have to see. Says the Mishnah, why not? For the benefit of society. For the benefit of society, you can redeem captives for more than their value. So the Gemara wants to know, what does that mean because of the benefit of society? How is it beneficial to society not to pay more than the captive is worth? Says the Gemara, Misham Duchka You're placing undue hardship on the community. The community has limited funds. People have to pay tuition. People have to send their kids to school. People have to pay the bills. People have to support their family. They cannot be in a situation where they're overextending themselves to save someone who was captured. I mean, it's, uh, we feel bad that the person is captured, but not everyone has to be held hostage because one guy is held hostage. Why does the community has to be, have to be held hostage? Because of one individual. That's the first rationale of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Oidimo, or perhaps that's not the reason. Maybe the reason is, Mishum Maybe the reason is, because if you're going to pay extra money, you're incentivizing the kidnapping of Jews. So you're actually a sinner. If you pay a million dollars to rescue a hostage, you think you're doing that guy a favor, but now you're putting the, the life of every member of the community in peril, because what you're doing is you're empowering, you're just inciting them to keep on doing this. You know, if you pay them a small amount, they don't have a lot to gain to continue. But when you pay them extra funds, you're just incentivizing the kidnapping. And the Gemara does not come to a conclusion. The Gemara does not come to a conclusion in terms of what is the reason why you can't pay more than the value of a captive to redeem the captive. Is it because we can't place undue hardship on the tzibor? Or is it because we don't want them to, we don't want to incentivize the continuous kidnap of Jews? Rashi says, what difference does it make what the rationale is? What distinction in halacha, what case would spell a difference between whether the reason is that we don't want to put undue hardship on the tzibor, or we don't want to incentivize the capture of more uh, Jews? Says Rashi, the nafgamina is, let's say you have a rich uncle. 
or a rich relative. So the burden of redeeming the captive is not falling on the tzibor. You have a rich uh, relative who's willing to take it on his shoulders. So if the reason is we don't want to put an undue hardship on the tzibor, we're not putting the responsibility on the tzibor. We have a relative who's going to step in and and redeem the captive. But if the reason is that we're incentivizing it, so it doesn't matter who's paying the money. If somebody's going to go ahead and pay these kidnappers excessive funds, you're incentivizing the capture of more uh, Jewish hostages. The Gemara tells us, the Gemara tells us a story. Take a look in your sheets on number four. Tanur Abanan. Masa ben Chananya. There's a story. The story goes is about Rabbi Yeshua ben Chananya, Shahalach Lekrach Gadol Shabaraimi. Yeshua ben Chananya went to the great city of Rome. Amrulai, they said to him, Tinoik Echad Yesh Bebeisasurim. There's a young child in captivity. Yefei Nayim, beautiful eyes. V'toivroi, beautiful appearance. Uktsoisaisav Sduris Leitaltalem, and his hair was arranged. Very handsomely in locks. And Rabbi Shuban Hanani goes to the opening of the jail and he begins to recite the beginning of a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, the Pasuk read, Minasan And the child was able to complete the end of the Pasuk. And the child said, Haloi Hashemzu Chatanulai Rabbi Shuban Hananya was stunned. Unbelievable. Here it is, I'm in the jail. I say the beginning of an obscure Pasuk, and this child finishes the Pasuk. Rabbi Shua ben Hanan, you cannot believe the potential of this child. He says, Muftachani bai, I am assured, Shemoira Hayrabi Yisrael, that this young child will one day be a decisor of halacha in Israel. Ho'avoida, Rabbi Shua ben Hanan, says, I swear, She'eni zoz mikan ad she'eftan mechamakam she'bamamayin. I will pay all the money in the world to redeem this captive. Says the Gemara, it was not shortly after until this child became a great halachic authority. Who is he? Rabbi Shmuel ben Alisha. Beautiful story. You have a young child in jail. He shows great promise in his studies. He was able to complete an obscure Pasuk. Rabbi Shua ben Hanani said, I swear I'll pay all the money in the world to redeem this captive. He redeems him, and sure enough, this child turns out to be Rabbi Shema ben Alisha. Asks Toysvis. That's very nice, the story had a happy ending. But how is Rabbi Shua ben Hanani allowed to spend all the money in the world? But Chazal tell us, the Mishnah says, you cannot redeem captives for more than their value. So he wasn't allowed to do this. So it's very nice this child ended up being a Jewish leader. But so what? It's against the halacha. It's prohibited to do so. <coughs> Taisvis gives two answers. Taisvis says, number one, you're right, in general, you cannot redeem captives for more than their value. But someone who displays exceptional wisdom and exceptional promise to becoming a great Talmud Chacham, you could redeem them for, uh, for more than their value. That's the first answer of Taisus. Meaning, halachically, you cannot spend more than the market value to redeem a captive, unless they show great promise that one day they could become a Talmud Chacham. Or, says Taisus, it was the time of the Churban Beis Hamikdash. It was the time of the destruction of the Temple. 
What's the reason you're not to redeem captives for more than their value? Because we don't want to incite them and inspire them to take more hostages. But at the time of the destruction of the temple, that's what they're doing anyway. We don't need to incite them. We don't need to give them any incentives. That's what they're doing. Therefore, under those circumstances, you're allowed to redeem captives for more than their value. I want to turn your attention now to another Toysvist. Only 13 blot later in the Gemara. Where Toysvist speaks about a situation where a captive was redeemed for more than their value. And Toysvist gives an entirely different answer. Again, let's clarify. The first Toysvist in Masech Gitin gives two exceptions to the rule of when you're allowed to redeem captives for more than the value. Exception number one is if somebody displays exceptional promise that they could become a great Talmud Chacham, a great Torah sage. Number two, Toysvah says, at the time of the destruction of the temple, at the time of the Chorban, you're allowed to redeem captives for more than their value. Comes the next Toysvah, and Toysvah says another interesting chidosh, another original Torah insight. He says that if somebody's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value. When does the Mishnah teach you can't redeem captives for more than their value? That's if they're just held captive. But they're being fed and they're being kept alive. But if somebody's life was in danger, you'd be allowed to redeem captives for more than their value. Or, says Toysvist, the individual being redeemed was of exceptional wisdom and therefore he was allowed to be redeemed. So, altogether, if you add it up, Toysvist in two places, deals with the issue of are you allowed to redeem captives for more than their value? And Toysus gives a total of three answers, two on Daf Memhei and two on Daf Nunches. And it's a little bit unusual why Toysus gives some answers in one place and some answers in a different place. But the three answers are, someone who could become a great Tamachacham, you could redeem them for more than their value. Answer number two, at the time of the Chorban Beis HaMikdash, you're allowed to redeem more than the value. Answer number three, if somebody's life is in jeopardy, you could redeem them for more than their value. Now, coming to our times uh, for a moment, to redeem a hostage, to redeem somebody that's taken captive by Hamas, to trade them in for a hundred terrorists, is certainly more than their value. No question. You say, well, maybe not. Maybe one of ours is worth more than one of theirs. Maybe one of ours is worth more than a hundred of, one of, their, of, of theirs. Yeah, but you can't look at it that way. Because you have to look at it in terms of Jewish life. And giving back a hundred terrorists for all intents and purposes means more than the cost of one Jewish life. Because these guys, when they're let out of prison, they're not going to play bingo. They're not playing board games when they come out of prison. We know what they say. We know what they promise to do. So we have to examine the Poiskim and the later authorities of what is the halacha lamaisa of whether you are allowed to redeem a captive for more than their value in a situation where somebody's life is on the line. So the first, the first uh, 
authority who discusses this question is the Maharam Milublin. The Maharam Milublin lived from 1558 to 1616. Rav Meir of Lublin, he was a student of Rabbi Yitzchak HaKoyin Shapiro, the Rosh Hashiva of Krakow, who he then became the son-in-law of the Rosh Hashiva of Krakow. And he opened up a great yeshiva in Lublin, and he was the Rebbe of the Shlach HaKadosh, the Megala Amukais, Rabbi Yeshua Charif, the Megine Shloimai, Rabbi Meir Katz, the father of the Shach. Rabbi Katz, are you related to the Shach? Okay. Rabbi Ephraim Zalman Shor, these were some of the Talmidim of Maram Lublin. And he deals with the following question in Shaila Tesvav. The question was, a young man who was taken prisoner by a Yishma'ili, by the Yishma'ili police force, because he was suspected of having relations with a Zoyna Yishma'ilis, and they wanted to uh, charge him for a capital offense. And the question is, is it halachically required, is it halachically permitted to bail him out for more than his value? And the Maram Ulublin Paskind, you're allowed to bail him out, but you cannot pay one penny more than his value. Not only do you not have to, you're not allowed to. It is prohibited. The Gemara says, we're not permitted to redeem captives for more than their value, either because it puts undue hardship on the tzibor, or because it will just incite them to capture more. And nobody argues. And if you're going to say, well, they're going to kill him and his life is on the line, says Maram Lublin, you will not find any credible Pisic who says that if someone's life is on the line, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value. Therefore, it is prohibited to redeem this Jew whose life is in peril. That was the Psaka of the Maram Lublin. Comes the Maharshak, quoted in the Pischei Tshuva, and the Marshak in the Sefer Beis Hillel asks, what do you mean we don't find a credible Pesach that if someone's life is on the line, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value? Is Toysvis not a credible Pesach? Toysvis says, yes, granted, you can redeem a captive for more than its value. But if it's a, a situation of Sakonas Nefashos, if it's a situation where somebody's life is on the line, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value. So why Zemaram Lublin seemingly has forgotten about Toysus in Gitin Adaf Nunchas? Why didn't Maram Lublin cite and invoke the opinion of Toysus that it's true you can redeem a captive for more than its value, but if someone's life is on the line, you should do so? That's the million dollar question here. How could the Maram Lublin just definitively issue a ruling that irrespective of whether someone's life is on the line, you cannot pay more than their value, when Toysus has already carved out an exception that if someone's life is on the line, it's permitted to redeem them for more than their value. So you ready for this chidush? Fasten your seatbelts. Comes Rabbi Cheskel Katzenel and Bogen. Shaila Suchuvas Knesset Yecheskel. 1668 to 1749. He was the Roisha Avbezin of the communities of Ehu, Altona, Hamburg, Wandsbach. 
And he says an amazing, he has an amazing breakthrough on, on this sugya. Friends, do you think you should be allowed to redeem a Jewish captive for more than its value, even if their life is on the line? Or should, or should we not be allowed to redeem them, even if their life is on the line? What would you say? Should it make a difference whether somebody's life is on the line? Could you hear a distinction that when, do, when are we not required to redeem a captive for more than its value? That is, that's if their life is not in jeopardy. But if their life is on the line, maybe we do have to redeem them for more than their value. Says the Knesset Yicheskel, you know what? Come to think of it, it's going to be dependent on the two answers of the Gemara. Why are you not allowed to redeem captives for more than its value? If the reason why you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than its value is because it's putting undue hardship on the tzibor. It's oppressive to the tzibor. It's hard enough to pay the bills as it is. And now, if you're going to have to redeem a captive for more than its value, it's going to put undue hardship on the tzibor. Yeah, when can you not put undue hardship on the tzibor? That's if someone's life is not on the line. But if someone's life is on the line, what is the requirement of a Jew to rescue the life of another Jew? Which Pasuk in the Torah says that you can stand by idly when someone's life is in, je- in jeopardy? The Pasuk is, Loi samoid al-dam You can't stand by idly when someone else is dying. Friends, how much money do you need to pay to rescue someone's life? Which, this is a general question. How much money do you have to pay on a mitzvah? Let's say you live in a city where it's very hard to get a lul of an esrog. And it's going to cost... It's going to cost you half a million dollars. Are you required to spend half a million dollars on a lul of an esrog? Are you required to spend half a million dollars on a pair of tefillin? By the way, tefillin are very expensive. If you got a pair of tefillin for 250 bucks, you need to get yourself a new pair of tefillin because the likelihood that your tefillin are actually kosher, mm, you can't get a really kosher pair for that little money. Tefillin costs money. A good pair is going to cost you real, real dollars. How much money does a person have to spend to do a mitzvah? One-fifth of your money. There's a cap. There's a cap. Halachically, you don't have to spend more than one-fifth of your money to perform a mitzvah. But what about not to violate a lav in the Torah? What about not to violate a lav in the Torah? Not, let's say somebody says, eat the pork, otherwise I'm going to take away your money. You have to give up all your money not to eat the non-kosher food. By the way, any prohibition in the Torah, biblical or rabbinic, you have to give up all your money not to violate. Let's say, you know, we're talking about talking by davening, right? Let's say somebody comes over to you, talk now by davening, by chazar sashats, or I'm going to take away all your money. You have to give up all your money and not do it. You have to give up all your money not to violate any lav medairaiso or medrabanan. There's no cap. A positive command, you only have to spend a fifth of your money. Not to violate a negative command, all your money. So if somebody is dying, you have to give up all your money seemingly to save their life. So if the reason why you're not allowed to redeem a captive for more than the value is because it's oppressive to the community... So then that might be true if the person's life is not on the line. But if the person's life is on the line, you can't stand by idly while somebody's dying because you want to hold on to the money in your bank account. you got to give all the money in the world. But, says the Knesset Sicheska, 
But if the reason why you're now to redeem captives for more than the value is because you're incentivizing the continuous kidnap, kidnapping of Jews, then if the person's life is on the line, you're certainly not allowed to overpay for the rescue because if you do so, now you're not only incentivizing kidnapping, you're incentivizing murder. And you're a murderer if you do it. You're not allowed to pay excessive funds because then you're not only causing further kidnapping, you're causing the murder of more Jews. So says the Knesset Yechezkel, the argument of Toysvis, that if someone's life is on the line, you have to pay more than their value, that only works out according to the opinion in the Gemara that you're not allowed to overpay because it's oppressive to the tzibor. But according to the argument in the Gemara that you're not allowed to overpay because you're incentivizing, you're now to pay more than their value even if they're gonna, their life is on the line. So now we have to look in the Rishonim. Which reason of the Gemara is codified, la of why you can't redeem captives for more than the value? So look in the Rambam. You have it on your sheet. By the way, you could keep all the handouts, no extra charge. Rabbi Katz will not extra, charge you extra. If you want to pay more than the value, you may. If you want to pay a lot more than the value, you could give it to Gacheles. They'll give half of it to... Zaka and the other half to Tzitzis for the. Or you could give it to the Yachikal itself. If you want to pay. Yeah, if anybody would like to sponsor the Yachikala, they could also. And if you want to pay more than the value, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as more than the value of this Yachikala. Okay, so. <laughs> Look in the Rambam. The Rambam codifies, bottom line, that the reason why you can't redeem captives for more than the value is otherwise you're incentivizing the continuous kidnapping of Jewish hostages. Comes the Knesset The reason why the Maram Lubin definitively said that you cannot redeem a captive for more than its value, even if someone's life is on the line. Oh, but we asked, didn't he forget about Toysvis, who makes an exception if someone's life is on the line? No, that Toysvis was within the answer of the Gemara, that the reason why you can't redeem captives is because it's oppressive. But according to the other answer of the Gemara, that it's incentivizing, there is no exception even if someone's life is on the line. According to Maram Lublin, it would come out, you can never redeem a captive for more than their value unless the person is a great Talmud Chacham. That would be the only exception. Comes the Yamshel Shloimai and he disagrees. The Yamshel Shloimai says that in our generation, when there's so few Jews left in the world, you know what Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes? The greatest miracle in the history of the world is the eternity of the Jewish people. The continuous existence of Klal Yisrael. The fact that there's a Yarche Kala in Amsterdam 70 years after the Holocaust is not highly improbable. It's not statistically unlikely. It's a miracle of epic proportions that there's still Jews today pouring over the ancient texts of the Gemara as if nothing has happened to us. It's a great miracle. 
And therefore nowadays, every Jew is so valuable, if you have the opportunity to rescue a Jew, even more than his value, you should do so. By the way, what's interesting to know historically, one of the all-time great rabbis, Maram Rotenberg, was imprisoned in a castle in Einstein. And they imposed upon the community an exorbitant sum. And the Maram Lublin Paskind, that they cannot redeem him. And the Amshar Shlomo says, you know, I can't understand. Why, why would he not allow them to redeem him? After all, he is the Talmud Chacham of the generation. Wasn't he concerned for the future of the Torah? But the Maram Lublin made a calculated decision that if he issues a ruling that they cannot redeem him, then they will be de-incentivized. And they will lose any motivation to continue to do so. Because we know after they imprisoned the Maram Lublin, they tried to look for the rush. And the rush had to run away to Spain. But after this episode, never again was a great rabbi taken hostage for money. Because the Maram Lublin had the courage to say, no, you can't redeem me. But the Yam Shal Shloimai Paskins, that in a situation where someone's life is on the line, you could pay more than their value. What? Merami Rotenberg. The, the, excuse me, neither, neither. The Yam Shal Shloimai, Paskins, Halacha that if somebody's life is on the line, you would be able to redeem them. Let's take it to our times. Because in our times, this is not an issue of money. Because when you're redeeming these captives, you're not paying Hamas to redeem a captive. You're basically, basically what you're doing is, you're not trading money for Jewish lives. You're unfortunately trading Jewish lives for Jewish lives. Because if you're releasing terrorists, as we said, these terrorists are not going out and doing community service now, in Be'anivos and with humility. The moment they're rescued, they pledge to continue their activities. So the question is, there's no question that this is yeser mikadei demeyem, whether this is more than their value. It certainly is. The question is, are you allowed to free one Jewish life if it's going to be at the expense down the road of perhaps many Jewish lives? And this is a very painful question. Who can make such a decision? The families of the hostages, you know, somebody asked, is it wrong of the families of the hostages to pressure the government to release their family, to free their family in exchange for terrorists. How could anybody judge the families of the hostages? We don't have any really poiskim uh, that discuss this precise issue of exchanging terrorists for hostages. Although halachically, you would think, how, how could it be halachically correct to free one Jewish hostage in exchange for many terrorists. We do have somewhat of a similar situation that was actually discussed by Rabbi Vadya Yosef. It's brought in his Chuvais. It's also quoted in a sefer called Masa Oivadya. Masa Oivadya is a, a sefer on uh, contemporary issues discussed by Rabbi Vadya in the state of Israel. 
And Rabbi Vadya is discussing specifically the Antebi raid. Whether it was halachically correct for the Israeli government to uh, negotiate with terrorists, because by the way, you know, they were in negotiation. Part of the whole tactic was they were in negotiation. We were going to release many terrorists in exchange for the hostages in Uganda, and it fell through, it was, it was going to happen, it wasn't going to happen, and miraculously, Hashem gave this, uh, success to, to the uh, IDF, and they were able to come in, and they were pretty much uh, matzliach in rescuing these hostages. But Rabbi Vadi was asked, are you allowed to trade terrorists for hostages? And Rabbi Vadi gave a very surprising answer. Rabbi Vadi said that it was permitted to do so. Permitted to do so? How can it be permitted to do so? Now you have to understand, this wasn't like the Gilad, Gilad Shalit situation, where you're exchanging 1,027 terrorists for one a soldier. This was, you know, pretty much, there were many Jews held hostage, and they were going to release many terrorists. Rabbi Vadya offered the following incredible analogy. Okay? You have to put on what I call your lumdisha glasses. Now I want to tell you something. I'm stepping over here, and I'm telling you something as a friend. We have a lot of intelligent people here. We, can, we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have scientists, we have mathematicians. I want to share something with you. Until you strain yourself to learn Gemara with Taisvis, you have never experienced an intellectual challenge, no matter what career or discipline you are in life. There is no intellectual stimulation like the rigorous analysis of the Talmudic process of Gemara Rashi Taisvis. There is no... There is no discipline in the world that comes close to it, and there's no greater happiness and satisfaction than rolling up your sleeves and digging into a Gemara with Rishonim and Mefarshim. I'm not telling you this as a rabbi, I'm telling you this from experience, and I'm telling you this as a friend. Says Rabbi Yosef, question Does halacha allow an autopsy? Are you allowed to perform an autopsy on a dead body? The answer is no. What's wrong with performing an autopsy? It's called nivel hames. You're disgracing a dead body. You're now to defile a dead body. It's a lav in the Torah. It's one of the, the 365 prohibitions in the Torah. What if performing an autopsy on someone who has a specific illness, you will come up with medical knowledge to be able to cure Someone who's dying on the next table. Are you allowed to perform an autopsy on A to save the life of B here and now? Absolutely. Because v'chai bahem, you're allowed to violate any prohibition in the Torah to save Jewish life, except for serving idols, except for adultery, and except for murder. You're allowed to even desecrate the Shabbos to save a Jewish life. You're allowed to perform an autopsy to save a Jewish life. But what if, you're, by performing the autopsy, you're not going to be saving a life in front of you now, but through the medical knowledge that you gain, you'll be able to save lives in the future. The saving of future Jewish life, is that called 
pikuach nefashais. Is that called saving Jewish life that you could violate the prohibition of, of conducting an autopsy? No. No. Future saving of life is not pikuach nefashais. In halacha, the possibility, albeit a realistic one, of saving Jewish lives in the future is not considered hatsalas nefashais. It will not allow performance of an autopsy. So you could have somebody, he's dying of an illness, and if we do an autopsy on him, we could gain medical knowledge and save Jewish lives in the future, you're not allowed to do it. If it's someone right in front of you, you could do it. You could violate any life to save a Jewish life, but not life in the future. It's considered too remote, although it's a reasonable possibility. Says Rabbi Vadya Yosef, conversely, if the future saving of life is not considered Hatzalus Nefashais, you could make the case the future risk of life is not necessarily considered halachically endangering life. Therefore, argues Rabbi Vadi Yosef, even though if you save Ruvain's life, it will come at the expense of freeing terrorists, which means that in the future there's a strong, unfortunately reasonable possibility you're placing other people's lives in peril. But is it today? It's not today. Today, you know, they have the, uh, they have the security band around their leg. The Israeli government is on, hot on their tails. But it's tomorrow. The same way saving Jewish life tomorrow is not considered saving life, Risking Jewish life tomorrow may not be considered risking Jewish life in halacha. And therefore Rebbe Vadya argues, perhaps you would be allowed to save a Jewish life in exchange for a terrorist. Now that's a very, you need big shoulders to make that argument. Because you could argue, performing an autopsy to save a life in the future, maybe that's a remote possibility that you're going to save a life. But freeing a terrorist, it's not a remote possibility that you're putting people's lives in danger. Okay? You need to be up there to make a call like that. I believe I once saw another argument that Ravavadya used. Why perhaps you would be allowed to save the life of a Jewish hostage by releasing a terrorist, but this would only apply to an Israeli soldier not necessarily to a regular citizen. This may not apply to a citizen who is taken hostage, but it would apply to a soldier. And Rabbi Vadio offered the following argument. When a soldier goes out to war, and he's defending our country, and he's defending our people, he has to know we have his back. For him to give it his all, for him to put his life on the line, for him to go out there and give up Everything. He has to know deep down that if he's ever captured, we're going to do whatever it takes to rescue him. Otherwise, he can't fight properly on the battlefield. Therefore, it's in the interest of the entire state and the entire country and the entire Jewish people that the policy is that when one of our boys goes down, we're going to do everything it takes to get him back, even at our own expense. That's also very <laughs> something to think about. When these things happen, 
I don't think they necessarily come and they ask a question of the greatest halachic authorities of the time. But you should know, there is no issue in life that is above and beyond the purview of the Gemara and the Paiskin. Every possible issue that comes up in life, halacha has something to say about it. And if you read the halachic response of the great Paiskim, you'd be surprised that every moral, ethic, dilemma, you will find clarity in the pages of Talmud Babli. We hope that in the merit of us studying the subject, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, the Torah is the most powerful force in the universe. In the merit of our learning of the subject of Pidyan Shvuyim, May we all hear only Basrois Taivais and we should hear about the miraculous rescue and freedom of all of our brothers and sisters, and we should only hear Basurais Taivais, May Artseno Hakadoisha, with the ultimate Gaula Shalema, the Biaskal Tzedek, and Hervi Amino Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by Torahanytime.com.